The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today I am so, so, so excited because we have another phenomenal guest that I have been so excited to uh, speak with again since we first met. Our guest is, and I'm going to do my best to say it right, and then you can feel free to correct me, Christian De La Huerta. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I do Spanish, you know, with my French accent. So (laughs) (laughs) from years of the only second language I ever tried and failed to learn. So Christian has 30 years of experience and is a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal transformation coach, leading voice in the breathwork community. He's traveled the world, offering inspiring and transformational retreats, combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting life-changing effects. An award-winning and critically acclaimed author, he has spoken at numerous universities and conferences and on the TEDx stage. And his new book, which I have read and I can vouch for, Awakening the Soul of Power, was described by multiple Grammy Award winner Gloria Estefan as a for the soul for anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions. Ooh, and it's also received a Nautilus Book Award and a Global Book Award. So lots of awards too. Anyway, I read the book. <laughs> I love the book. I'm just so excited, Christian, to talk to you and talk about power. I'm so excited to be here with you, Victoria. And I, I loved it when we had breakfast and met in October and through our beautiful mutual friend, Lisa. And um It was one of those immediate connections. So I'm happy to be here. I felt the same way. And you said something to me. I don't know if you remember this and hopefully it won't happen on the show, but you said something to me that was so complimentary that I carried around. And as Lisa would say, rubbed in (laughs) when we were having brunch, the third person that we had brunch with was getting a new puppy dog. And sometimes what happens with me is info just comes through. And if it feels like the right time in the right place, and it's not, you know, super juicy, I will pass that along. And some information came through on her lovely little puppy dog, which I'm happy to say she's she's told me was validated. So that makes me happy too. It makes my ego happy. But um, <laughs> anyhow, you said to me, you're like, just so you know, for the rest of our friendship, wherever it takes us that you have carte blanche to just give me information. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always ask first. And anyway, my friend that that made my day. 
<laughs> that's great. And and that's true. Carte blanche. All right. Well, we're we're being recorded right now. So be careful <laughs> with that because you never know where it's going to come through. But anyway, I loved your book and I love this idea of soul power. And where I wanted to start with was with a personal experience. When I first started on this journey of awakening my intuition and getting all spiritual and stuff, because that wasn't a thing <laughs> for me and doing my own healing journey, I realized that I had a fear of my own power. Mm that the word power was like super scary to me. That phrase is like stepping into your own power. Yeah. You know, and I want to start with that because I, I don't feel that way anymore. But I think a lot of people do. And I know in my sessions sometimes too, when we, we say that power word, it's heavy. And um, I don't think it has to be. I know. I, I felt the same way. You know, I struggled with words like power and personal empowerment and the hero within and teacher and healer. I struggle with all those words, so I get it. And, and I think you're right. I think most of us have that ambivalence in relationship to that word power. If part of us wants it, and there's a part of us that is afraid of it. And, you know, before the book came out, I've been doing retreats on that theme for probably 10 years as I worked out my, my thinking about that. And I think what we fear is that if we really step into our power, into all of who we are, then people, other people might not be able to handle it. And we might end up rejected and, and alone. And, you know, it's no fun. Who wants that? I think we also fear that we might abuse it. And no wonder, like how many abuses of power have each of us witnessed and been a part of and experienced in, in our lifetimes? And I think add to that, the fact that we have been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing. It's a negative thing with quotes like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what good hearted person wants, wants to be corrupted? So when you put all that into a mix and add to it, the fact that we have been conditioned to be afraid of the emotions and that you know, we have labeled the emotion weakness, what happens is that we end up giving away our power. And we've all done it. A bunch of times. How many times have we said yes when inside it really wasn't okay with us? But to avoid confrontation because we fear conflict, we end up settling and settling for an illusion of security and a false sense of acceptance and morsels, crumbs of pseudo-love. So it's not a good strategy. No, not at all. And what you said really resonates because I remember feeling like afraid, afraid of awakening that in me. You know, maybe there's anger. Maybe there's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step into that and make a mistake and do something wrong. But the choice is if you don't step into your own power and power the way I, I have come to understand it, I'm pretty sure you'll agree, but I can't wait to hear what you think. It's it's not that egoic power at all. It's our soul power. It's a totally different thing. Exactly. And when you're living by that, you can't do any harm. You know, you're just you're just aligned. It's a beautiful power. I'm feeling it right now as I say this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's where what the book dives into is like there's different kinds of power. And so I talk about worldly power or ego power, egoic power, the way that the world relates to power, and then about soulful power or spiritual power. And, and a couple of just simple differences, like we dive into it much more in the book, but worldly power, we tend to associate with people who have money, people who are famous, people who are high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's the corporate ladder or something else, another organization. But the thing about all those expressions of power is that because they're external, they're outside of us, fickle, here today, gone tomorrow. That company that we're part of the corporate ladder in could close their doors and there goes the power. 
And so worldly powers always has an agenda. So it's always trying to grab something for itself. And it's always trying to blow itself up to seem bigger than it is. So contrasting that with soulful power, it's like it's humble. It doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And it's inside each and every one of us, whether we like it or not, it's in there. Right. And and so what we do with it is our choice. But the potential is there for sure, which, by the way, potential comes from the same root as power. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And it also comes from the same root as to be able to. Like in Spanish, poder means both power and to be able to. Like, yes, we can. Si se puede. So it's, there's so many multi-level connections about the, the etymology of power, which I love. And it's humble. Soulful power is humble. Doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And so my, my image is, you know, I think of a Gandhi or Gandalf, if you like the Lord of the Rings, in those simple monastic robes, their sandal feet. When we look at them from the outside, we'd never know how much power they hold until it's necessary. And then... Get out of the freaking way. Uh, like Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global reach and global influence without shooting a gun or landing a punch. Talk about power. I heard on your beautiful interview with our beautiful mutual friend, Lisa McCourt, you make the distinction between power over yes. and power with. And that really stuck with me because power over is the kind of power that feels really scary because you feel like you have to choose sides. You feel like you have to be the aggressor or, you know, the victim. And neither of those are good choices. That's right. But power with, you know, that feels like something more. So can you speak to that? Yeah, that's that's another one of those those key differences between them is like power, the worldly power, you know, believes that there's a limited amount of it. Like there's a limited, that there's a zero sum. You're having power takes away from mine. It's like, wait a minute, who said that? Who, who made that up? If I'm in my power, if, if I know who I am and I know what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what my boundaries are, and I know how to communicate them, it's like, why would I be threatened by, by you having power? Like, of course I wouldn't be. It's like, I know whatever comes my way, I can handle. That's being in my power. Right. And, and so I celebrate, right? Then, then we, when we're when we're coming from that place, we celebrate other people having power. We encourage them. We want all of us. We want to we want to relate with and have relationships with partners who are also in their power, and without having to prove it. So we're not into the power over, and we wouldn't want to get stuck in power struggles. It's like we just want to be like I know who I am. You know who you are. Then let's let's have fun. So it feels to me like. When you talk about being in your power, there's an alignment, there's a sense of like being authentic, being yourself, being self-loving, yep. being self-honoring. Yes. That's what we're talking about here, right? Exactly. Those are all words that that I use interchangeably. Authentic yeah. power, soulful power, spiritual power. Like, yeah. I love it. And I love the <laughs> word, I love the word power too, because when I say it, when I feel into it, it's like I feel my essence. Like yes. at least when I'm talking to you. Like that word right now, it just it feels magical. It makes me feel like I own the world, but not in a, in a way of like harmfulness. I own the world and that, you know, I'm the creator of my reality That's right. and, um, you know, I'm aligned with my highest potential in so doing. That's right. It's a power that comes from being free, like, and free in, in the ultimate sense of the word. 
It's like, you know, hey, like we've done the work. Like, right. Once, once you're willing to dive in and do the personal work and face our doubt and our self-doubt. And, and by the way, I'm a really unlikely person to be speaking about power and what it means to live heroically. I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred. And my adolescence was one long depression uh, with suicidal fantasies. So I know what feeling disempowered feels like. And, and is like, and, and that's why I also know that you can, that all that stuff can be healed and it can be transcended and that we can all figure out a way to step into our power in a way that is congruent, in a way that is a match with who we are. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All right, so now you open the door. Can you share a little bit about your story and how you got from that space I was about to tell a story about, I was supposed to tell a me story, but you're the guest. So I want to start with you. What's the story? Tell, tell what your story first. Tell we'll my me that. story first. All right. But I want to make sure that we get to yours. No, it's a me story that was about to be a podcast episode, a solo episode. So I don't know. I, I'm going to run with it. We'll see where it goes. But years ago, I also had a, an insecure most of my life. And as of late recently, I'm really waking up to just loving who I am. And, you know, I know that the more that I do that and the more that it flows authentically for me, it's like life is delicious. It's yes. delightful, right? Because, you, you know, you don't worry about who you're supposed to be. You just be who you are. And then you yes. start to attract in everything that that resonates with what brings you joy. Yes, exactly. And there's such freedom in the in like not needing anybody's any external validation, period. We just get to be who we are, wherever we are. Such freedom, such freedom. It's true. But I had a crazy story last night. People know that listen to the show. I just moved cross country a little over a year ago, year and a half ago. So just finding my my peeps here in San Diego. And I was blessed to be invited to the wedding of someone who's now become a dear friend. But, you know, in my mind, socially awkward Victoria going to a <laughs> wedding where, you know, I don't really think I know anybody and, you know all nervous, all awkward, was was texting with our dear friend Lisa, you know, as I was like waiting for them to open the gates and find people to talk to. But it really flowed. You know, the more I was there, it really flowed. But I had a moment, I was on the dance floor. I love dancing. But years ago when I was in high school at the Valentine's Day dance with my very first boyfriend, the meanest girl in our class made fun of me. Mm. Right. And I was, you know, thinking about, and I've been teaching this to my clients for a long time too, because it really hit me for years. I defined my dancing ability by this mean girl, the meanest right. girl. But in my mind, right, if I'm not going to use her name on the podcast, um, pseudonym Alex uh, Remington, we will call her. I think that might be a famous name, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I've been calling it with my clients. I've been using her name with my clients, but I won't do that on a podcast because I'm a nice person. But, you know, I was calling it the Alex Remington effect because we do that so much, right? We take the meanest person in the room, the most critical voice, and yeah. we say, okay, that's the truth. That's yeah. the truth. The person who, you know, is getting their strength by putting us down, that's the truth. So I, I've been, you know, having this idea percolate in my mind that maybe I shouldn't make that the bar of my self-worth, right? 
the meanest person in the room. Like, let her tell me. And, you know, and I've also started to recognize I don't really care if I'm a good or a bad dancer. Just dance. Thank you. So I'm I'm at the wedding last night and I'm meeting a lot of amazing people and having a great time and dancing because, you know, when I didn't know anyone to talk to, I could dance. But on the dance floor, everyone's friends with everyone else anyway, right? It's a beautiful thing. And this beautiful woman who was super cool suddenly spontaneously said to me, wow, you're a great dancer. And, you know, it was such a moment of like full circle. And I'm not saying this because I really care at this point if I'm a good dancer or not. And I don't even, you know, it's not, that's not the thing. But the thing is, I realized from this experience that when we honor and value ourselves and when we're just in the flow and doing what we love and loving being who we are, then that's when everybody comes out and loves us too, you know? Exactly. And and it's what you're telling too. Well, I mean, I love so many levels of what you said I love. I mean, first of all, the full circle on freaking Valentine's week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because what happened is like we internalize those negative voices. Then we believe it. And yep. there's nothing real about it. Nothing. And we've allowed it to, to run our lives and to govern our choices and, and influence every one of our relationships. So what a beautiful thing to to have that freedom where, you know what, I don't really care what anybody right. feels or thinks about me. I'm just going to do me. Yeah. And I'm just going to be me. Yeah. And it's huge. And, you know, if you're going out on the dance floor and you're wondering if Alex is going to be criticizing you, right? Your imaginary Alex, because she was she was not invited to this wedding, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have that, you know, it's going to impact you. It's going to impact you. You're going to you're not going to show up as your best self. You're going to yeah. have given away your power, right? To that yes. internalized voice of, you know, the haters or the judgers or, you know, whatever. Yes. And when you can start to have just even the littlest bit of doubt that, you know what, I don't necessarily have to listen to the meanest person and who cares what they think, right? Because that's not someone who's ever going to have your back. That's right. That's right. And what you pointed to, which is also so true, is that those people, those Alexes, they're really overcompensating for not feeling good enough. Right. So what a pitiful thing. Like the only way you can feel good, good about yourself is by putting somebody down. Right. right. Like that's that hierarchical kind of power. Power over. And it's it's the bully. It's it's a false expression of power. It's right. pseudo power. It's not real. And if we scratch under it, they really hate themselves. Right. And they don't feel confident about themselves. Yeah, of course. And so you're allowing yourself to play that game with them, right? We're we're strengthening that web, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And so, you know, those moments when we can honor ourselves in those situations and step into our true and real power, we're healing ourselves, but we're also healing the beautiful Alex Remingtons of the world too. (laughs) That's true. We're doing a dance for everybody, but start dancing for you. Exactly. I love that. It's a great story. Yay. Thank you for letting me share. And (laughs) and now you've saved them a solo episode. (laughs) Because now it's out there. All right. But now I want to hear your story and it, it does not have to involve dancing. <laughs> I do love to dance. I, you know, I was born in Cuba and came to the U.S. when I was 10, which was not a, f- I don't have very fond memories of that. You know, we lived in, in Georgia when we first moved here. And, you know, back in those days, they didn't, and maybe still now, who knows, but in that little small town where we lived, they didn't take very kindly to foreigners. Yeah. So I've, you know, sometimes I feel that I've come 
that part of my my learnings this lifetime is to how to navigate feeling different, feeling like I'm the other, like I don't belong. Because in Cuba, once you apply for a visa to leave, to emigrate, you were immediately labeled gusano, which means worm. Um, so I remember being a kid, like a third grade, fourth grade, and and the teachers like calling us gusanos, like, yikes, that's that's mean for, wow. for a teacher to do with a kid. You know, so then we came after a couple of years of live, in living in Georgia, learned English and had a great Southern accent because, you know, that's so important at that age for us humans to feel like we fit in. Right. And I even went through this phase of like denying my, my Latino, my Hispanic heritage. And then, of course, we moved to Miami where I went to an all-boy Catholic school that was probably 90-something percent Cuban-American. So then I right. stood out all over again wow. because I, I sounded like a Georgia peach. <laughs> And but and not to mention what I was, you know, the real reason that I was feeling different already is that that even at that age in ninth grade, I already knew I was gay. And, you know, there I was trying to find a way of room for myself in a religion that was telling me that I was gonna burn in hell for eternity. And there was this part of me that wanted to serve divine as I understood it then, and to make a difference and to serve humanity at the same time that I was like, oh my God. Right. Like, what does it mean that I'm an abomination? What does that mean? And and how long is eternity exactly? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, you know, that's part of the reason why my adolescence was just uh, so challenging. At the same time that I had a psychiatrist father. And so that was another layer of of like, oh, my God, if, if it comes out, I'm going to destroy his credibility as a psychiatrist. Like all the stories we tell ourselves and the doom scenarios that we create in our minds before that hold us back from from doing what we feel like we need to do and we're feeling called to do. And so, I mean, long story short and flash forward to today, like my self-worth is so established that no matter what happens in my life, no matter the circumstances, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether a project succeeds or it fails, never, ever, ever, ever do I question my sense of self. That is, that is unshakable. Amazing. And so I know that can happen in, in others too, that all, all this stuff can be healed and transcended. That's amazing. Was there a moment where there was, was there a series of moments that got you from, because I'm just peeking at your childhood because you you gave me carte blanche, remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm peeking and, you know, if I were to kind of tune into your soul plan, I think you've probably already done this too. Like I can see how you constructed it so beautifully to have those touch points of places where you didn't fit in, where you couldn't be yourself, like in all these different angles, you know, just, and I think this is how life often works for so many of us, especially those of us on a healing and helping path that, you know, I love that you say that you knew this all along. It just, I love how you had all these different little pokes in different directions where there was probably nowhere you could run or nowhere you could hide until you woke up and said, okay, I just got to be me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and there definitely there definitely points that got me to that, and I think one of them was when I fell in love for the first time. I I had a lot of sex as a teenager, more than I probably should have, but that connects to another thing that happened when I was ten, which was being sexually molested. And one of the effects of that, we know that it's you become kind of promiscuous uh, prematurely. So, but you know, but I can hold all of it now with such great perspective. And so much healing has happened that I wouldn't change any of it because that sense of alienation, that sense of feeling like there was something wrong with me, 
that having had to, to struggle with deep existential questions at a, such a young age, that makes me who I am. And, and it gives me such a sense of empathy and compassion with other people. And I know how to help somebody free themselves like, because I had to. Uh, so I wouldn't exchange it, any of it. Like it made me who, who I am and it deepened me in such ways. And in some ways it gave me a head start. I can, because I, I was dealing with existential questions about who I am and, and do I really get to be that? And, and what are we doing here? Like at a really young age, but in that, in that sense, it gave me a head start because eventually we all have to face those questions. Yeah. I love that. All right. I want to hear how you support others because I'm thinking people are listening to this and thinking, wow, that sounds really grand. Like how, how do I get there? It's doable. It's definitely doable. I, I mean, I know like, I have zero doubt because I've done it myself. I've had that experience myself. And I've also been teaching and offering retreats and workshops and working with clients, you know, coaching clients for over 30 years. So there's so much evidence that I can't argue with that it works and people do heal and people do free themselves from all sorts of trauma. So I do retreats, I do workshops. Um, I have private clients. I'm just now starting to do retreats again and, and live events post-pandemic. One of the, the gifts of that experience for me was that I had to create virtual programming, which, which I, I knew for years that I had to, but I was so busy traveling. I went from 100,000 miles on an airplane a year to zilch. But I'm grateful for it because it allowed me to get this book out of my head that I've been brewing inside my head for, for 10 years. And I, it also forced my hand. Like my income came to a screeching halt in May 2020. No, March 2020. And like COVID forced my hand. I had to create the virtual online programming. And I've learned so much from that. So, so yeah, I'm going back to doing retreats. In fact, I've got some scheduled already. The weekend retreats, and which are great because we do multiple breathwork sessions combined with teachings on relationships, on personal empowerment, on women's empowerment, on life purpose. But I always weave in breathwork because I've yet to come across anything else that heals us quickly. And though we really could have benefited from breathing together, we couldn't for the last three years. Yeah. You know, breathing powerfully in one room, we just couldn't do that. And so what I've learned about the year-long, which is the, the program that I created as a year-long coaching program, it allows me to deliver the teachings, you know, stretched out over the course of a year, deliver it by size. I know how busy everybody is. So just deliver bite size, a little bit of content each week, but with two key differences. Interactivity, right? Which I can't do on a weekend. So we're going through life and crap is coming up and we're having to get stuck in power struggles or, or conflict or whatever. In real life, the teachings are coming in to help you. And so we have practices designed to integrate the teachings so that they don't stay at the level of information. You and I know, and probably everybody listening to this or watching this knows that we don't need more information. We've got information overload. <laughs> what we need is transformation. And that comes from really taking on and living from those teachings. And so that's what the, the year-long structure allows me to do, create practices and in interactivities designed to integrate those teachings into our lives. And then accountability, which is the other thing I can't do on a weekend. Um, you know, people come and they have this huge expansion right. and um, amazing life-changing experience. And if in some cases, if they don't have a support system, a practice, uh, some structure of accountability, it's easy to get sucked into the distractions and demands of day-to-day -day life. 
And pretty soon, those old voices of fear and self-doubt start dragging them down again. And then they have to come do another retreat as a booster. This model makes the transformation sustainable. And so I'm grateful for that opportunity, for being forced, my hand being forced and having to develop it. I just love everything that you said, because I think that, you know, and we're coming at it from the opposite way. So I'm the, in the daily life person, right? People usually call me when something in the daily life isn't working and, you know, they want some guidance, they want some support. Um, people know I'm a counselor too in the state of Connecticut. So I've, I've done some straight on therapy too, right? I've worked in a middle school. Um, so that was really, you know, getting there when, when the kids are having the crisis over, you know, the F on the test or getting freezed <laughs> out in the lunchroom. And all of that is like super important to be the person on the ground when someone is is struggling and in that moment. And a lot of times yes. too, even in therapy, people will come and be like, I thought of you like 10 times this week, but it's all over now. And I don't know what to talk <laughs> about, you know? <laughs> But at the same time, I also think there's that power in the retreat and the taking the pause because when we're living in our everyday lives and all the people and all the structures and all the, yes. the stuff around us and the triggers are poking at us, we tend to go a little bit more naturally unconscious. Yes. And sometimes we need to get out of that a little bit yes. to have the perspective. Absolutely. So I love what you're saying about how you weave those two things together. I'm folding that page over in my brain as someone who just <laughs> purchased a retreat center and is, is all brand new to doing yes. retreats and also, you know, being part of other people's retreats. But I think it's true. It's not an either or. We kind of need both. That's it. It's a total both and. Yeah. In fact, when I first thought about doing virtual programming was when I was, you know, before the pandemic and it was as a follow up for retreats. That, that's what my original idea, right? So what, how can I support them as they re-enter their lives and so that they don't forget, so that these teachings become like integrated, like, like such a part of who they are. And so I think that's the ideal thing, combination of both. Have the retreat, have the multiple, the real expansion, and then have a follow-up to integrate and support the, the integration. Yeah, no, I think that's key. And I also think it speaks to the healing process. I really do. And healing is not a word I use a lot, but I'm using it a lot today. So it's all good. But we can say growth process, alignment process, evolution process, whatever you want to call it. But whatever that process is, I sometimes find we have these big jumps and I have these big shifts. I'm going through one right now. It's delicious. <laughs> and then... It's true. It's huge. I'm so used to it now. I, I always joke I've lived like, you know, at least 20 lives in this body, but they're growing. I used to say 12, but in the last year, we've at least had another like 10 or 15. But you'll have these big, big, big growths. And then, you know, I think of it almost like a paradigm shift. And then you have to kind of get back into the nitty gritty of, okay, everything in yes. my life just changed. Yeah, I got to fit back into my life. Sometimes we know too, these paradigm shifts come with loss and things fall away. And sometimes, you know, yeah. but, and then you have to kind of renegotiate that everyday life. So I think, you know, you kind of need support with both. Without a doubt. And it reminds me of that book. I think it was from the seventies, eighties. I don't know. Chop wood, carry water. Okay. So what do you, what do you do before enlightenment? And that's also not a word I use often because it gets so misinterpreted and understood in so many different ways by so many of us. But that's what the book is about is like, so what do you do before enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water. Right. What do you do after enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water. Yeah. I love we it. We just do it from a whole other perspective. Right. And I think for most of us, and I think even quote unquote enlightened beings, though, I'm not one. So I don't know. 
I don't know. Does anyone even claim to be an enlightened being? I don't know. I think it's, it's, you know, you, you're continuing on the journey. You're continuing on the journey and isn't enlightenment too. It's stepping into your power. It's the same thing. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And and it's not a word I claim either. It's not a word that I use often because of that. Yeah. Because it confuses people and because it it indicates like, all right, well, there, there I am. I did it. I'm done. Right. (laughs) And I don't think we're ever done. I think it's an ongoing process of growth and evolution. And how boring would it be? Yes. If it wasn't, if like, all right, well, then I'm done. We're part of the process of expansion. We're going to yeah. keep expanding, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just thinking of the of the beautiful, the, the bodhisattva vow. Um, you know, bodhisattva apparently is a being who has already achieved full enlightenment. They don't need to continue this process of reincarnation just to continue learning and evolving. But they take the bodhisattva vow, which means that they will continue coming back and reincarnating, not only until every human being is enlightened. Um, and we can talk more about what that means, awakening, remember, liberating ourselves from, from conditioning, uh, re- remembering our, our real uh, spiritual heritage and, and reconnecting right. with that, all that kind of stuff. That, that's more what it means to me. But they continue coming back not only until every human being is enlightened, but until every sentient being, which would include the animals, and some would even include plants. And what a, that always touched me so much. What a beautiful thing. What a generous thing to do. Wow. As you said that, I got a chill. And I got mm-hmm. the thought that um, so many, <laughs> so many beings on this planet are just that. We are just that. Mm. You know, we're just, we're all part of this collective of waiting around until everyone gets it. You know, yeah. but in the best possible way, in the best possible way. And I think, too, the more that you can enjoy it, the better, right? Because it's <laughs> well, not it's not a sacrifice to be here on Earth. It really isn't. It's a choice that we all made. And, you know, the more we love it, the funner it's going to be. I so agree with you. That's why I laughed uh, when you just used the word um, delicious to describe <laughs> growth, because so many of us have described growth as like, oh my God, that was horrible and harrowing and incredibly painful. And not to deny that growth is challenging, but to frame it as delicious is like, wow, yes, because this new world that we're creating, that we're envisioning, that we're helping collectively to bring in, like it's got to be fun. It's got to be delicious. It's got to be juicy. Um, it's got to be sexy. Otherwise, I don't want to play. Yeah, I'm in with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, I would just rephrase that a little bit, but you'll tell me what you think. I think it can be challenging. Change, growth can be challenging. For sure. And for some of us, it's often challenging, but it does not have to be. And I'm learning more and more to, you know, release some of my conditioning about what needs to be hard and what doesn't. And some of you all know that listen to the podcast, I got some major big changes happening in my life right now. And, you know, I would be a liar if I said at times my tender heart doesn't need a lot of extra care. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You know, but I also recognize that things that should be really hard, quote unquote, you know, the word should is, is always my marker that to take a step back. But things that other people would think would be harder, should be harder. They really don't have to be. Yeah. They don't have to be. And a lot of that, again, is just our conditioning. Yes. And how we hold it. Yeah. How we frame it. Yeah. And the more present we are with ourselves and with whatever we're going through, that's to me when I find the beauty in pretty much anything, you know, it's just when I'm really present with whatever's there. Exactly. And that's how I was interpreting your your word deliciousness. It doesn't mean like it's pleasant and ecstatic and blissful all the time. 
but that doesn't make it less delicious. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, so the, like I think the truth is that growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone. Right. It just doesn't. And comfort is highly overrated. Yeah. It can be kind of boring and stagnating. And so in order to grow and evolve, we have to place ourselves in a little bit of discomfort. And that means being willing to take risks, to doing things, you know, saying yes to that coffee day that may not go well, or saying yes and going on that job interview, even though we don't, you know, we might feel like we have the imposter syndrome and we're not really qualified, but we override that conditioning and the fear and all the stuff that we have allowed in the past to hold us back. And even if we don't get the job, or even if the coffee date doesn't go anywhere, like, so what? Like, so what? We stretched, we grew from being willing to take that chance. Right. And I think it's uncomfortable to the ego more than it is to the soul. Yes. You know, I often think with comfort zones and I have been crafting an episode on this for a long time. It has not been recorded yet, but it is in my brain and it's been blogged and someday it will it will come to fruition. But I think the thing about comfort zones is sometimes we think in order to grow, we have to be in pain or uncomfortable. And sometimes we are. Yeah, I really don't believe it's inevitable. And I found more and more my growth is delicious and it is joyful and it is pretty fun. But I also think a lot of people, their comfort zone, when you really think about it, it's not comfortable. It isn't. It's habitual. It's what you're used to. It's yes. familiar. Yes. Right. And sometimes we have to break out from what's familiar because the familiar feels comfortable. But it's sort of like if you're, you know, on a bed of nails every day, you're going to get used to it. And I know some people <laughs> do that and it's a thing. And, you know, I'm not putting <laughs> that down. But you know what I mean? Like, I personally like my super, super stuffy, fluffy uh, latex mattress, you know, with my silk sheets. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah totally know. What you mean. But if you're used to sleeping on the floor, that's going to feel comfortable until you discover that a better bed is available to you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's a beautiful distinction to make. Yeah. And, and I think it, it goes back to how do we frame it? Because even if it's challenging and, and challenges are part of life. Like there's nothing comfortable about life or, or creation. Like, you know, we live in a, in a universe of volcanic eruptions and exploding supernovas. And the process of being born is not fun for anybody. It's a risk for everybody involved in that process. And so, you know, once we just accept that and then we get, we get to enjoy all of it, even the difficult times. And I know it's easier to say than, than what we're actually going through it. But it's good to have reminders like your podcast. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not enjoying this as much as I would enjoy, uh, you know, going to the beach and being on vacation and having a bowl of dark chocolate ice cream. But hey, it's what I got. And if I frame it as an opportunity for growth, then I can't go wrong. Like no matter what happens, there's no such thing as failure. Although I like the chocolate ice cream, I'm at the beach every single day. <laughs> and um, and for me, that's part of my growth process. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's part of what lets me love me is being me and enjoying, enjoying this ride as much as I can every moment that I can enjoy it. Yeah, And then, you know, being real kind and tender and loving in those moments when it doesn't feel so good. <laughs> Yes. And, and also what you're is like even adding more evidence to it, what we're talking about that. Yeah, it's fun and it's relaxing to be at the beach. And it's also your practice. Yeah. yeah. Like that's part of your, your routine of self-care, which helps you maintain center when the shit hits the fan. Exactly. <laughs> All right. 
Christian, this has been so much fun and I could continue to do it forever, but I can't. So to pivot a lot, I ask everybody on the show, because this is a podcast about intuition. I ask everyone on the show, how do you experience your intuition? Mm. You know, I don't get visions. I get feelings or senses of knowing. Like sometimes it just happens like spontaneously, like, you know, like, which I think happens to a lot of us, you know, we're thinking about somebody and then look at the phone and there's a text from them, which just happened about 20 minutes ago before we got on the call. Sometimes like having a practice of going within helps, like having a practice of learning how to quiet the mind, right. uh, making the choice, right? Not to numb ourselves out in all the ways that we numb out with TV or social media or gaming or sex or drugs or food or all the ways that we use to not think and not feel, uh, which we know is not a good strategy because whatever it is that we're avoiding, it's only going to fester and get worse under the surface. But learning, one of the benefits of learning those practices, of learning to go within is that that's where intuition resides so that we can't force intuition to happen, but we can create the necessary conditions in which it comes out, in which it presents itself, in which it happens. Beautifully put, beautifully put. I love that. And I agree a million percent. <laughs> you also said in the little application-y questionnaire thingy that I do to collect <laughs> all my intel on my guests, you talked about living intuitively. And I would love to know what that means to you. I know what it means to me and my listeners know what it means to me, but what does it mean to you? Well, I'm right in the middle of one of those phases. I've, I've been doing the digital nomad for the last 14 months. Because of the COVID immigration to South Florida, where I was based for the last 10 years, rents are just crazy. Real estate's gone crazy. So my rent, I was renting a big house in which I did retreats and workshops. Beautiful, beautiful place, a block away from, from the Bay. But they increased it by 50%. And I hadn't been able to do events for two years already. So it made no sense for me to take on more rent. And you know, like one of the benefits of, of the pandemic for me was I got to see how established I am in trust. Like even when my income came to a screeching halt overnight, practically, like I never once, not once did I have a moment of fear. And, and that didn't happen overnight. That's been a, a journey to get to that place. But I got to see that. And then it's been, and I've been doing this, you know, more longer than that, but it's really been present in the last, in my nomadic phase. It's like, I don't know. I can tell you where I'm going to be next month. I can't tell you after that. I don't know. So I'm kind of navigating through life and I'm okay with it, with not knowing because I know whatever happens, I'm going to be fine. Right. So yeah, so this whole time that I've been nomadic and even before that, I've been living this way for some time now. It's waiting for the signs. You know, you were talking about the ego before. We don't have time to get into what the ego is here, but if you, here's a quick analogy that's very helpful. If you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is who we are is actually the stadium. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it, it's all who we are. Right. And to make choices about our lives and our relationships from its very small, limited, and fear-based perspective. Right. So once we step out of the baseball and we step into the realm of the stadium, that's where magic happens. And we learn how to navigate that magic or those miracles because we don't have the language to give the words for that. But it's so much happens where, you know, opportunities open up, windows open up, doors open up. And so that's what it means to me to live intuitively is just to navigate that. And I don't have to know the answers. I didn't get to that place overnight either. 
like for me, it was like, all right, we're getting really close to, you know, having to make a choice about what's next. But I've lived it so many times that I, it always works, always works. And that's what I choose to place my trust on is that realm of the stadium, call it intuition, call it spirit, call it whatever you want to call it. I love that. And exactly what I needed the reminder of today. So thank you very much, my friend, because <laughs> even though I feel that I do the same thing, it's sometimes you hear it out of someone else's lips and you're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For real. Beautiful. All right. Christian, if people want to find you, if they want to do a retreat, if they want to join, I can't remember what you called it. How do they find you? Please spell that out for them so they'll know. It's a year-long coaching program called Adventures in Transformation. Okay. And so to reach me, probably my website is the best way to do it. Soulfulpower.com. S-O-U-L-F-U-L-P-O-W-E-R.com. And for your audience, anybody who goes to my website and gets on my email list, and we know how easy it is to click unsubscribe if it doesn't work for you. And I'm not going to take it personally. I promise <laughs> if you unsubscribe. Uh, <laughs> that's part of the benefit of not needing external validation. <laughs> we'll send them, anybody who does subscribe, we'll send them a sample chapter from the book and one that talks about what it means to live a heroic life in the 21st century. We'll send them some of the power practices that are designed to integrate teachings. And we'll send them a, a guided meditation I created in the midst of the pandemic, which talks about how to find a place of trust and center in the midst of chaos beautifulness. All right, you guys are all going to check that out. We'll have all of that information in the show notes too, Christian. This was such an honor, such a gift, so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. I loved it, Victoria. I love the conversation. Love you. Love your energy. And I look forward to doing a retreat at your place in San Diego or outside of it and uh, to stay connected. I would love that. Cactus Blossom would love to have you. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in because you know, because of you guys, I get to do this and have these great conversations and it is my joy. Enjoy the rest of your day and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.